Matthew chapter 6. I want to look at a portion of text right here in Matthew chapter 6. I would like to look at some things that the Bible instructs us to pray for. Some things that we're to pray for. This is not all the things that we're to pray for, but it's some of the things that we're to pray for. It also tells us how to pray and how not to pray. And so I'd like to look at Matthew chapter 6, and the preacher is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is delivering the message, and uh, in your Bible, as in mine, it's all in red letters, and it's Jesus Christ delivering this message. And in this portion of the message of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus Christ starts out and he talks about the giving of alms and how that that is a service and worship to God. He secondly starts out in uh, uh, chapter 6 as praying to God. And the third thing that he mentions, and he mentions these all right together, one right after the other, is initially giving alms, secondly prayers, and third, worshiping God through fasting as well. Going to deal only with the second one, which is prayer. It says that when thou prayest, verse 5, And when thou prayest, so first of all, we're taught that we ought to pray. Now, some folks say, well, if God is in charge and God is in control and God is working behind the scenes, then why do we need to pray? One of the best reasons we need to pray is that he tells us to pray. No matter what God is doing, he tells us that we're to pray. I tend to believe that prayer works. I tend to believe that prayer makes a difference. You go ask a brother named Hezekiah who was given the diagnosis of a sickness unto death. And you ask Hezekiah if he believes that prayer works. The folks gathered around and prayer was made on Hezekiah's behalf. And it says that God who is the giver of life and the sustainer of life, that God added 15 years to the life of Hezekiah. So if I get sick, I want you to pray for I want you to pray for me, whether I get sick or not. Maybe pray that I don't get sick, but if I do get sick, I want you to pray for me. And God, who is the sustainer of life and giver of life, he may add some years to our life. I remember... Uh, Somebody came to me and uh, told me back in my 30s, boy, those were wonderful years. Brother John, they're good years for you, and they were good years for me. And I remember somebody telling me in my early 30s, I had my grandmother and I was caring for her, and and somebody said, well, do you ever think about it that uh, uh, this is pretty time-consuming what you're doing, and uh, uh, it's taking a lot of your time, and And these are probably the best years of your life. And are you sure that that's what you want to do? And I said, well, God, who is in charge of our life, he's plenty able to tack some extra years on the end of my life if he wants to do that. I don't know whether he will or not, but uh, I know that he's able. One reason we ought to pray is that he tells us that we should pray. He says, and when you pray, and if you're a child of God, you have the desire and the yearning to commune with God. A higher power, and I believe that higher power is Jesus Christ. I believe it has a name. And he says right here that when thou prayest, he says, 
thou shalt not be as the hypocrites. So he begins to warn us and he says, don't pray like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street that they may be seen of men. And he he says, "I, I say unto you verily, they have their reward. So he begins to warn us right here. It doesn't mean that he's opposing public prayer. But what he is opposing is prayer that's made that one would make to be seen of others. Brother Compton said that he's heard folks pray a prayer that you'd think they were preaching a sermon in their prayer. Well... He says right here, a prayer is not to be prayed to get the honor and praise of other folks. He says, if that's the purpose in your prayer and and folks recognize you for the eloquent words and for the, 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 the wonderful prayer, then all of a sudden you've received your reward. Our greatest desire is that when we pray, that it's heard by our heavenly father. Let's look at what he says. He tells us how not to pray. And then he tells us how that we should pray. He says, for they stand on the street corners to be seen of men. And he says, and they have their reward. But he says, thou when thou prayest, he says, enter into thy closet. Now, I don't believe that that means that we have to search out and find a closet specifically. But it's presenting the scenario for us right here that our prayers ultimately should be between ourselves and and the Lord. Go ask Jonah. I seriously doubt he could find a closet in the bottom of that ship to pray in. Jonah prayed when he was in distress. And that's a great blessing that we're able to pray in times of distress. He says right here, but when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And then the, the, the lesson that's taught right here, he says, and then you pray to your father, which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So what he's saying right here is that your prayer, your communication is between you and God. And you're asking God to hear your prayer. To bless and deliver and help. And he says that if you pray in secret. Now for some it may be in a closet setting. But he's simply saying that we are to talk to the Lord not to the others that are around us. And he says that when thou prayest in secret, he says, the Lord, who is the one that is the giver of the rewards, he says, the Lord shall reward you openly. He comes on down and he says, for when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do to be heard of their much speaking. He says, be not thou therefore likewise unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of, even before you ask him. Aren't you glad that your heavenly father knows what you need, even before you ask? Sometimes we think we know what we need. Sometimes we think that we can inform the Lord and tell the Lord what we need. When the Lord knows ultimately always what we need. In fact, we're taught that when we pray, we're not to pray that our will would be done. But that the Lord's will would be done. I remember a saying that my grandmother and the old timers used to say a lot is Lord willing. And we need to be reminded of that. That when we pray, Lord, if it's your will and not my will. Then he comes down and he says, this is how you pray. 
He says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. And, and he addresses some things that we're to pray for right here. He says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Some of us begin to think that we get our daily bread from Wawa or Wagmans or Kleins. But ultimately, we need to be reminded that it's the Lord that provides for us. In fact, there's a song that we sing, though troubles assail us and dangers of fright, it says the Lord will provide. If we look back upon our life, we can see where we went through seasons of our life that maybe were extremely difficult. Maybe we went through some hard times, and yet God always provided for us. And he says right here that we should offer thanksgiving to the Lord for the daily bread and thank him for our daily bread. And then he says the second thing that we ought to pray for is that uh, is for forgiveness that and forgive us our debts. Now, I don't think he's talking about a, a financial debt that we're incurring right here. But for our debts and our sins against the Lord. Forgive us our debts and, 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 and as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. Praying for the Lord to strengthen us and, 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 and put a shield of protection about us. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we come before the Lord and we offer a prayer of thanksgiving. We offer a prayer of petition. We ask a prayer of forgiveness as we come before the Lord. Ezra puts it this way. This is really good for parents. This is excellent for parents. Ezra chapter 8 says that he and his children were having some struggles. There were some, some problems along the way. And Ezra says, he said, uh, the enemy's strong. And he says, and we proclaimed a fast. In Ezra chapter 8 verse 21, he says, and we proclaimed a fast. And we asked the Lord for three things. He said, we asked the Lord for a right way for us. That's what we want to know is a right way for ourselves. And then he says, we ask the Lord for a second thing. We ask the Lord for a right way for our children. He says, and then we ask the Lord for a third thing. We ask the Lord for a right way for ourselves to know a right way for ourselves, a right way for our children. And then he said, and for the substance that God has blessed us with. That God will direct us and bless us. In, uh, in Philippians, we're taught. And in fact, as Paul starts the letters uh, to most of the churches, he, he starts out and he tells the folks how that he's praying for them. And he says, as I pray for you, as I talk to the Lord, he says, as I begin to talk to the Lord uh, about you, he says, I talk to the Lord about you and I pray with a heart of thanksgiving. He says, I'm thankful to the Lord for you. 
And we should be mindful to pray for, not only to pray for ourselves and pray for our children and pray for our families, but we should pray for one another. The Apostle Paul says it's his heart's desire that he prays for those that were around him, for the churches that he was involved with. He says, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making request with joy. And he says, and here's what I pray for and, and what I thank the Lord for. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you and making request with joy from your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm praying for you. I thank God for you. And we ought to be praying for one another within our families and within our church families as well. A uh, couple of places in, uh, in Philippians, Paul mentions uh, praying uh, that will be strengthened in the Lord and in the knowledge of the Lord and in the love of the Lord. And that will know Christ all the more. He says in uh, chapter 4, he says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. We ought to be praying for one another and thanking the Lord for each other. We ought to pray for the Lord's church. We pray for our children. We pray for ourselves. We pray for our families. We pray for our friends. We ought to be praying for the Lord's church. And here's some specific areas that we're taught to pray for the Lord's church. In Matthew chapter 9 verse 37. Then saith he unto his disciples. And this is referring to his servants or his church or laborers. He says. And this is Christ that delivers this charge to us to pray for right here. He says the harvest is truly plenteous. And he says but the laborers are few. What's he saying right here? He says, basically, in the day in which we live, that if we need more preachers, if we need more laborers, the way to get more laborers is to talk to the Lord about it. Brother uh, Elder Zach Guest just sent an email out this last week, and it was uh, an email of rejoicing and thanksgiving. He sent an email out and he said, we have two young men in our church that God has placed his hand upon them. Uh, one is uh, Brother Poe and one is, uh, I believe, Nathan Guess. And he said, these two young men have been exercising in the ministry and God's hand is upon them. And he says, and by the way, it's God that makes preachers. And he said, we just want to rejoice. And what God is doing in the lives of these two young men. So if we need laborers, and I can tell you that we do, then talk to the Lord about it. Because it's the Lord 
that calls preachers and equips preachers. Brother Stephen, I'll tell you that uh, we're reminded every time we look in the mirror that uh, we're not going to be here forever. And we need young men to come up and preach the gospel and laborers in his kingdom. Now, sometimes God calls men when they're young. Sometimes he calls them when they're in their midlife and some a little bit older. Brother Compton was ordained in his early 60s, wasn't he? About 58, 59, 60 in that range. And he still preached 40 plus years. So he may call you later in life and still bless you to live to be a ripe old age and proclaim the gospel. But pray that God will raise up laborers in his kingdom. He says right here, he says, the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. Basically saying that there is a need, that there is a harvest, but but there's there's not enough laborers to, to go around. And he says, so you pray that the Lord of the harvest, the Lord is is not only in charge of raising up ministers, but the Lord is in charge of the harvest as well. And he says, you pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So he just simply tells us right here what to pray for. Pray that God will raise up laborers in his harvest and that he'll bless their labors. Second Thessalonians, he tells us again, uh, mentions to us again in Second Thessalonians what to what to pray for. Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 3. Paul is saying right here. He says to the brethren. He says finally brethren. Pray for us. Those that God has, has, has called to proclaim his word. To deliver the message. He says finally brethren. Pray for us. That the word of the Lord would have free course. And he says, and be glorified even as it is with you. He doesn't stop there, but I, I want to just uh, emphasize a, a couple of points on that. Paul is, is simply saying right here, he says, I need you to pray that God will bless the message. I need you to pray that God will bless the messenger, that he'll bless the message that's to be delivered and he'll bless the one to deliver it and that God would bless it with his Holy Spirit. That God would open the door and God would bless with the message and bless the message. I can't tell you how often that happens that I feel I, I ask the Lord to direct on what to speak on and, 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 and how to encourage the Lord's, folk, the Lord's people. And I can't tell you how many times that folks come up afterwards and they say, that's just exactly where I've been reading. Or that's just exactly a point that I was pondering. Well, if that happens, it's not because you talked to me before services. I believe it's truly because the Lord impresses on both sides at the same time. We saw that yesterday in the message in New York, how that God was impressing Peter and Cornelius at the same time. He worked in the life of Ananias and, and uh, he, 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 he works on both ends at the same time. And that is the work of God. And that's what Paul is simply saying right here. He says, you pray that God will bless the messenger. 
And he says right here, he says, you pray that God will bless the word of the Lord. You first, you pray that God will raise up ministers. And he says, then you pray that the word of God, that the word of the Lord would have free course. Now, God has been merciful to us here in this land. We don't have a whole lot of threats against us right now in preaching the word of God that we know of. We feel like we can come here to the house of the Lord and we're protected by um, uh, authorities. We're protected by laws to be able to come here and worship the Lord. But Paul's saying you need to keep praying that that'll be the case. He says that you pray for us that we'll be able to proclaim the gospel. He says, and you pray for us that the gospel will be proclaimed in such a way that the Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified. Heard one preacher say it like this. Exhorting and encouraging young preachers. He said when you preach the gospel. you You need to paint a picture in such a way of Jesus Christ. That when you hold up that picture of Jesus Christ. That the congregation won't see you. But they'll see Christ. And you should do everything you can for them not to even see The ends of your fingers that's holding up the portrait of Christ. And that's what he's saying right here is that you pray that the messages that are brought forth by Brother Steve, myself, Brother Asa, Brother Chuck, Brother Andy. You pray that they're going to glorify the Lord. Lord's not going to share his glory with another. The Lord is jealous about his church and he's jealous about his message. And he deserves all glory and all praise. And we give the Lord the glory. In fact, Paul says in Corinthians, he says, let him that glorieth glory in the Lord. And that's the message that we proclaim. Our salvation as we we rejoice in the finished work of Jesus Christ, it glorifies God. The sovereignty of God glorifies God. The election of God's people glorify God. The deliverance glorifies God. The finished work of Jesus Christ glorifies the Lord. And he says, you pray that God's going to bless us with messages that will glorify the Lord. And then he says something else. He says, and also you pray that we'll be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. Because he says, by the way. Not all men have faith. Now, Elder Bradley is almost 84 years old. And he's still preaching the gospel and God is still using him in a mighty way. He's still on the radio and been preaching on the radio for over 60 years, maybe 65 years. God's opened doors for him to minister in in, uh, in prisons and in drug addiction places and God is using him in a mighty way brother Bradley says he says I start out every day when I talk to the Lord he says I start out and I pray this way Lord would you help me to help those that I can help and would you deliver me from those that I can't I want to be used of you to help those that I can. But those that would bring me harm, I pray that you 
will deliver me. And that's what Paul's saying right here. You pray that the word of the Lord will have free course. You pray that the word of the Lord will glorify the Lord. And you pray that we'll be delivered. He says right here, he describes it as unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. Not everybody rejoices in the message of Jesus Christ. Psalm 122 says, uh, talks about the church and something else that we're to pray for in the Lord's church. Psalm 122, it mentions a couple of things here. He says, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. I think of this often, even the first verse right here. Let me just ask you, are you glad when you had the opportunity to come to the house of the Lord? If, if you're not glad when you had the opportunity to come to the house of the Lord, there's a, a deeper underlying problem. If you're not glad and you're not looking forward to coming to the house of the Lord, you need to first of all talk to the Lord about it. It may be that there's some things that have crept into your life that take a priority in your life other than the house of the Lord. And you need to talk to the Lord about it. Do you ever get cold in your worship or your fellowship with the Lord? That happens. There's a solution for it to run to the Lord and ask the Lord to forgive you and to revive and stir up your heart. The psalmist says, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. We had a, an old deacon in our church in Lubbock, Texas, and he had uh, emphysema. And uh, in his latter years, he was on auction all the time. And he got up and, and, he, and, and I went to visit him and he said, Brother Stephen, he says, I don't always feel like going to church. But he said, I always go. Because he says there's a day coming that I might not be able to go. And I want to be able to think back on those days that I was able to go and I went. So we need to have our mindset that we're glad to go to the house of the Lord. He says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates and Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Isn't it a wonderful blessing, the family of God and, and even a church family? What a great blessing it is. He says, Jerusalem is built as a city, as a compact city. He said, whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord unto the testimony of the Lord to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. You say, why do I go to church? Right here is one good reason to go to church. If, if there wasn't any other reason to go to church. He says right here, one of the opportunities that we have to go to the house of the Lord is to give thanks. Now you can give thanks at home. You can give thanks uh, in, in your, in, as you're driving to work. You can give thanks uh, at the workplace. But he says, I've created a place for you to come together and you can share your thankful hearts and you can give thanks to the Lord. You can sing praise to the Lord and you can give him thanks as you worship and praise him. And he said, one of the reasons that we go to the house of the Lord is to offer up thanksgiving to the Lord. Now, let me just ask you this. God has done a whole lot for each one of us, has he not? Is not going to the house of the Lord 
a reasonable service to God. If we're taught in Hebrews that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves, uh, the saints together, God just simply wants his people to come together and worship him. He says, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. And he said, and we go to the Lord to offer thanksgiving. He says, for there are set thrones of judgments and thrones of the house of David. And then he says, here's two things that you pray for, for the house of the Lord. He said, you pray for peace of Jerusalem, peace in the Lord's house, in the Lord's church. And he says, and they shall prosper that love thee. He says, peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions sake, I will now say, peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. He says that we're to Pray that God would bless his church, his kingdom, to have peace within the walls. And that he would basically bless with his presence. That he would bless the service. That he would bless the worship. That he would bless the preachers. That he would bless the singers. That he would bless it with prosperity. He's not talking about a get-rich-quick scheme. He's talking about the blessings of the Lord. And what a great blessing it is when we come together. And we feel and we experience the blessings of the Lord. You can't conjure it up. You can't earn it. It's a gift from God. He says, pray for peace within his walls. In First uh, Timothy, we're taught uh, one more area that I'm just going to touch on that we're to, to pray for. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I'm very grateful and thankful for the blessing of living in the United States of America. And I'm very thankful that God has His hand upon our nation and I'm very thankful that our nation was founded upon godly principles no matter where you stand on different positions we're instructed that we're to pray for those that are in authority it says that the Lord has the the heart of the king in his hand and he can turn it whithersoever he will We're instructed to pray for those that are in authority. Look what he says right here. 1 Timothy chapter uh, 2, start with verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And then he says right here, for kings... And for all that are in authority. And then he says what we're to pray for. He says we're to pray for kings. We're to pray for those that are in authority. We're to pray for our leaders. And he says and here's what we're to pray for. 
He says we're to pray that that God will will direct, God will protect those that are in authority, those that hold positions of authority. And he says we're to pray that God will bless and lead them in such a way that we will be able, that we may be able to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and all honesty and honesty for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our savior we're to pray for our leaders we're to pray for their safety we're to pray for their protection we're to pray that God will direct them we're to pray that God will lead them and guide them and we're to pray that God would bless us to live quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness in all honesty. The last thing that we should be mindful to pray for. We should be prayerful that God would bless us. To always have a heart of thanksgiving. That no matter what our lot. No matter what our road is. No matter what our journey in life is. That we've been so blessed. We've been given so much here in this life. And we shouldn't take the blessings for granted that God has bestowed upon us. But we should be mindful to thank the Lord. And if we don't have a thankful heart, we need to pray that God will bless us to have a thankful heart. If you don't have a heart of thanksgiving, I want to encourage you to do an exercise this afternoon. I've done it. It helps. I encourage you. Take a piece of paper and you just begin to write down. All your blessings that God has bestowed upon you. And you won't get very far down the list before you realize that you've got a whole lot to be thankful for. If you're here today, you've got something to be thankful for. That you had the ability to come. You had the desire to come. That you had the desire to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. That's something to be thankful for. That you had the ability to come and see your brothers and sisters in Christ. And the blessing of that. Pray that God will bless you with a thankful heart. May God bless you. We're glad you've been able to listen to this podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 1030 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.